Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. I want to welcome you to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast. We are live from the Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios, and we are part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks, where you can hear us on all podcast platforms, as well as Buzz to 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like and rate and review our podcast, and all shows are presented by Arkansas Brewing Company in Ozark, Arkansas. I'm Porter Hayes. Alongside me is Jake Davis, and our broadcast is brought to you by Bet Online, which features live betting, free contests, live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all leagues and events. Head on over to betonline.ag to rejoin and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use our promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts, and we're honored to be joined tonight by the Metters Lumber Hotline. SEC Mike Bratton, the SEC podcast. Uh, I know this time of year with no sports going on, it's kind of a grab. Let, let's get certain guys on and, and bring guests on. So I appreciate uh, you coming on. I'm sure your schedule is pretty busy this summer. Oh, yeah. And as uh, what was the countdown out? I usually know. I think we're 77 days away from SEC football. <laughs> and, and believe me, Every day that gets closer to zero, the busier I get. But, uh, you know, we're just sitting here talking football. So yes, could be could be doing a lot um, tougher jobs. Trust me, everybody that listens to my show has got a tougher job than I than I do. That's for sure. <laughs> well, us Razorback fans, we're kind of hoping baseball season would last a couple weeks longer. But, you know, that, that didn't seem to work out too well for us. No. <laughs> So uh, you've been a busy man this offseason. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you had a uh, podcast with Rusty over there. Uh, he's a Georgia guy, big Sam Pittman fan, and and he was really optimistic about uh, Razorback football, K.J. Jefferson, some of the transfers. Uh, we're going to get into that video here in just a little bit. But provide us a little bit of optimism going into this season. Why should Razorback fans – Feel the need for optimism in 2023. Well, I think it starts with uh, having the best quarterback in the SEC and probably a top three quarterback in the country, maybe top two, you know. So uh, it all starts with KJ Jefferson for me. You got Rocket Sanders, uh, maybe the best running back in the SEC. There's not a better duo in the entire country, in my opinion, than KJ and Rocket. It, so it kind of starts there for me. And then, of course, the transfer portal. Um, I think that's been a godsend for programs like Arkansas. And I know Lane Kiffin gets billed as the portal king because he signs about 30 guys out of the portal. Well, he doesn't do much with them. It's Sam Pittman and company that bring in guys via the transfer portal, get the most out of them in college, and get them to the NFL. Sam Pittman is the real portal king, in my opinion. So uh, I think the deficiencies on the roster have been shored up. Uh, that's those three things probably the biggest reasons for optimism in my mind. Well, and, and then fans, you know, you they took a step back last year, but I mean, outsiders looking in, it's very difficult to win in the SEC, much less the SEC West, and especially when you're a program, the state where Arkansas is, and it seems like you have that nine and three season, nine and four season, and how quickly Arkansas fans get spoiled in realizing the reality of just how tough it is to win in the SEC. Right, and why they struggled, I mean, seven wins, but, you know, three seasons ago they would have been uh, uh, throwing a parade for winning seven games. Now we're getting angry. But <laughs> the reason, two and four in one-score ball games. And two years ago when they won nine games, they were two and two. So they did, you know, they were even on uh, those one-score games. So that's the difference. And the difference, of course, KJ being hurt. So you're not going to win on the road, one-score games in the SEC when your quarterback's banged up. I realize that uh, Liberty game was just awful, but, I mean, I don't, I don't know if K.J. should have even been playing. I mean, I think he was too dinged up, but I just they didn't really have an alternative. And that's another thing. They shored that up via, via the transfer portal and recruiting. Arkansas went from, you know, obviously you still got K.J., so I'm not – really putting it into this discussion, but the quarterback room, I think, has been a huge, huge upgrade this offseason with uh, with what they've done via the transfer portal and recruiting. 
Well, I got to ask you a question too. I know Kendall Bras gets a lot of flag, but how much of that him seeming like he had one foot in, one foot out? How much do you think that really affected the team's you know play calling progression and degression between last year and then what happened this past season? Well, honestly, I don't know if that matters much during the season because it's not like Kendall was interviewing for other jobs week to week. Of course, he probably was, but uh, I don't know if that linked to the locker room. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting thought. Uh, but, like you said, he gets a ton of flack, and I guess I, I get it because the results were not always there. It got a little cute at times. But, you know, I talk to a lot of these people in the analytics world, and they say he is one of the best in the game in San Pittman had the best coordinator duo essentially since he got the job there at Arkansas and now both those guys are gone not saying that uh, you know he doesn't have good coordinators now but uh, that is a huge I don't want to I don't want to say red flag but maybe question mark with this team We're we're always excited about who we got now and the guys that leave they they sucked anyway but that's not always the case you know what I mean so that that's going to be one of the bigger storylines for Arkansas this season. And one of those things is Travis Williams, the new defensive coordinator. Uh, and then you also bring in Marcus Woodson as a co-defensive coordinator. Uh, we've seen the recruiting trends go up a little bit. Arkansas bringing in guys that they don't normally bring in. They've got signees on the defensive side of the ball, especially a defensive back that just isn't usually there. Uh, what do you think about the addition of Travis Williams and Marcus Woodson? And do you think they make an impact in year one with Sam Pittman? Yeah, and you can go back and check this. Uh, you know, the moment he got hired, I said, Sam Pittman just got the best assistant recruiter in the entire SEC because he is, I mean, he's just so, so popular with the players. Former standout player of his own at Auburn. He's been at Miami. He's been at uh, Central Florida. You know, did a good job down there in his two years as his defensive play caller. But, that's been the real issue. I mean, I love Barry Odom. I think he's an excellent defensive uh, mind. And some of the biggest, I would say arguably the biggest wins of the Sam Pittman era were due in large part to Barry Odom, scheming things up, how to stop players like Matt Corral, uh, suffocating Texas, figuring – he was the one that figured out, you know, how to attack Mike Leach, and then seemingly everybody did it. So credit to Barry Odom, but where Barry Odom struggled – is recruiting and that was clear as day last year when we had a few key players go down all of a sudden the defense was awful in in spots not overall but particularly in the secondary i'm thinking about so they had to bring in someone that can raise the level of the talent and i know it's they've not been on staff for long but it's clear that uh, they made the right move when you're talking about roster acquisition that's what college football is the, all about, in my opinion, the players matter more than the coaches. And with these moves, I think Sam Pittman has done a good job bringing in more talent to Arkansas with this staff. And how big of a bullet did Arkansas dodge? You, you knew you had Dow Loggins, which was an amazing recruiter, and you were kind of thinking that, all right, we got Bryles, and then he ends up going to TCU. Dow goes to South Carolina, and I don't know if you realize the the ties between Dow and, and Arkansas, but they're pretty deep rooted. And everybody thought when Dow left for South Carolina, and then Bryles left, it, it was kind of doom and gloom there for a couple of weeks. So, how big of a splash was it to really get somebody fresh in that that recruiting, especially which we'll talk about down the road with Texas and OU coming in? You need to get that curve and keep that curve ahead of them when when they come into the league. Yeah, and I think it was um, – I mean, I've lost count of how many jobs Kendall Browse was attached to, but certainly it seemed like uh, – let's say it was a Sunday where the rumors with him and TCU started. I, I may be wrong on the day, but just go with me here. If it was a Sunday, by Monday they had Dan Enos infold on staff. So they knew, uh, hey, if this happens again, I'm, I'm just – enough of this. We're going to get our guy and getting someone – that uh, coached up Jalen Hurts when Alabama was ready to to run him off. They they take credit for his development now, but they were sure as heck ready to run him off when they had Tua. But it was Dan Enos that uh, that really worked with Jalen Hurts and get him as a as a better passer. And he came in 
and saved Alabama's season. Yeah, they were going to lose the SEC championship game to Georgia, and it was Jalen Hurts when Tua went down that rallied that team and got them uh, a win in the SEC championship. But, yeah, I mean, I given the time and given the connections, I don't know if Arkansas could have done any better than Dan Enos. Well, another quick point I wanted to bring up, and me and Jacob talked about it uh, last week or the week before, you know, Danny Nose and Sam Pittman were both on the same Arkansas staff. And just how they both left Arkansas, do you think they, they both kind of have this chip on their shoulder of, like, we're going to prove that, you know, what we could do here at Arkansas in this second go-around, they're going to try to make things better than, than when they left it the last time? Yeah, that's interesting. I had not really thought about that. Uh, I mean, certainly Sam Pittman, yeah, but uh, – I don't know that that's necessarily something that's going to motivate a guy like Dan Enos, just given the fact that he has jumped around. seems like he never stays anywhere for too long, but uh, certainly you'd hope that's that's part of the reason they wanted to uh, reconnect here. But I just go back to, uh, I'm sure you guys have seen this as well, but last time Enos was offensive coordinator and Sam Pittman were together. Pittman, of course, was the offensive line coach. But Arkansas had the number one, scoring efficiency offense in the country so i mean whatever it is they got working together it it clicked before if it can click again arkansas is going to be a dangerous team is full and there's been a lot of talk around the country that kj jefferson's a heisman candidate a dark horse candidate rocket sanders is also a heisman a dark horse as well what do you think do you think that's true do you think there's uh there's plenty of uh credibility to that Oh, I think for KJ, I could see it. I, I couldn't see it for Rocket Sanders. Not that he's not a good player, but it just, I don't know. I can't remember the last time a running back really was in that race that was not a kick returner and, and receiver. I mean, Rocket Sanders is your leading returning receiver, so he, he can't catch it out of the backfield. But uh, having two guys in a Heisman race from Arkansas, I don't know. I just think that's a little bit unrealistic, but. Yeah, I mean, certainly I think one of them will lead the way, and it, it usually is a quarterback award. I've been, it was a couple of years ago, it was 24 7 Sports ran an article, and I think they said KJ was the worst quarterback in the SEC. <laughs> and I got tagged on it like 200 times because I said KJ is the top three quarterback, and this was back then. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it goes without speaking who was right there. Yeah, well, I think even as of last year, they ranked him as like the 12th or 13th best returning quarterback coming into the SEC. So, I mean, I don't know. In, in, in Arkansas fans seem to think that the SEC hates them. Every, everybody hates them. If they rank somebody lower, you know, it's because there's just this hatred. From the outside looking in, I really want to get an honest perspective. Go back the past five years, you know, up to until now. You know, what is that true SEC outsider's perspective of Arkansas as a program where they were five years ago, and where do you think they're truly headed now under Sam Pittman? Hmm. Uh, I mean, five years ago, the coach shall not be named was there. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> they were the not only the worst team in the SEC, they couldn't even beat Vanderbilt, but, I mean, they were – they had to have been probably the worst – power five team and i mean i don't i don't say that lightly but uh you could certainly make the case i don't know who would you who would you would put below them given some of the, i mean they were getting blown out by uh g5 teams so yeah i mean they've come an incredibly far away from that but uh, again that's another one where even the covid season i i was saying and that was when they gave arkansas this ridiculous schedule Toughest schedule of all time. Uh, I, I said Arkansas is going to win multiple SEC games. And this was after they had like a 20-something SEC game losing streak. And people thought, you know, just uh, clickbait Mike over here. But once again, I was right on that one, you yeah. know, because I knew they had more talent than they had shown on the field. They just needed a, a coach to get it out of them. I didn't realize how good Sam Pittman was going to be. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they killed it. And the perception now is just, I mean, they're just another one of those in the rugged SEC West. They, thankfully, this is the last year of the West because I think it's unfair to teams like Arkansas that have to go through that gauntlet. And there's teams in the East that uh, have a lot easier 
path, even though there's, there's, I don't know how many truly easy paths there are in the SEC, but I, that's one thing I'm excited about. Get away from division play. Still going to play a lot of the West teams, but just there's no reason to really break it up into East and West, particularly when we have 16 teams, I think. And one of the uh, things that you talked about in one of your shows a couple of weeks ago was the schedule not being as tough for the Razorbacks this season. I'm going to share just a little bit of a schedule of what we're looking at. Uh, you obviously have Western Carolina, Kent State, and BYU starting out. Uh, obviously, you think that Arkansas can go 3-0 and there. But then you have a rugged six-game stretch with LSU, A&M, Ole Miss, Alabama, and Mississippi State, Florida. Uh, four, I mean, four games in a row away from Fayetteville, and then you go back on the road against Florida, a place you never won at. Is this, is this schedule, uh, do you think it's able to be navigated? Or do you think Arkansas You think Arkansas can get away with that 8-4 season? Or maybe they should win more than that? Hmm. What do you think? Well, and I don't know that this is saying much, but I think this is the most manageable schedule that Sam Pittman has had. Now, you got to keep in mind, he's had – probably the nation's toughest schedule the last uh, couple of years. So, I mean, this is an incredibly difficult schedule, and I just hate that that game is in Arlington. Uh, obviously, the Arkansas Razorbacks don't have a ton of success down there. Get Just get out of that damn house of horrors there. You know what I mean? We, we go home and away. Maybe we'll have a little bit more luck. But, you know, I think the – I don't want to say the season hinges on A&M and Ole Miss, but – if you have four straight losses, it's kind of hard to get that momentum. It's it, you know it's hard to just build confidence. If you could split that mid-season tilt there, I mean, I'm already on record. I think LSU going to win the national championship. So that should give you an idea of what I think about them. Alabama, of course. I mean, it, they beat nearly everybody they play. But again, if you can split that, if you beat A&M, if you can beat Ole Miss, I think. Most Arkansas fans will be pretty happy with that because the first three and the last five are all winnable. So, I mean, there's no reason you can't have an eight, nine win season. Now, you can sit here and say that, but injuries could mount. You know, one of these coordinators could be a flop. I'm not saying that they will be, but things happen. You know what I mean? So, I wouldn't sit here and say, if if they don't go nine and three, let's fire Sam Pittman. I think that's crazy talk, but I just think the path to eight, nine wins is much, much, much more manageable than it has ever been uh, under Sam Pittman. Well, and, and you kind of destroyed my next question. I was, we were talking to Blake Rafino and, and it doesn't ever matter seem how good LSU is or how bad Arkansas is. They always seem to have a, a great game. And they play each other very the very first SEC game opposed to they were Arkansas has always played Texas A&M, which is that daunted game. And I was going to ask, you know, how big of a swing is that game that there's a game that you play that team better than you do instead of having that monkey on your back against A&M, how that could affect the season. But as you've pointed to, you have LSU win the national championship, so that kind of debunks my whole uh, statement. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, heck, I mean, crazier things can happen, you know. But uh, one year I said South Carolina could win 10 games. They won four. So it's not like <laughs> I'm wrong a lot, too. You know what I mean? So uh, who knows? LSU could take a step back. I just – I got a lot of faith in uh, Brian Kelly and that roster he's got right now. I, th I think they're going to be pretty good next year. Yeah. And you, we haven't really touched on the transfers that Arkansas's got. They, they brought in a really good transfer class. Uh, especially in the secondary. We talked about that a little bit earlier about how dreadfully bad, porous that offensive or that defensive backfield was. That one at one time during last season, they weren't the worst division one team, division two, II, division three, uh, JUCO team or NAIA team. They were last in like every category or, or the past defense category. Uh, they bring in a couple of guys from Baylor. They bring in uh, Jaheim Singletary that uh, is from Georgia. He's probably going to be a starter. He obviously, you probably lose Quincy McAdoo for the season. Uh, I think Sam, Sam Pittman pretty much went in without saying that uh, it may be a while before we get him back. Uh, and then you bring back another transfer into White McLaughlin. 
how big of a turnaround do you think Arkansas could expect? Do you think uh, do you think there's any reason for optimism there uh, as, as far as Arkansas improving? I mean, it doesn't take much to improve, <laughs> but uh, is there a reason maybe they can get up to maybe the top 50 or 60? Yeah, and I think it really has got to do with, um, I think, the front of that defense, which yeah. I think I anticipate will be the stronger, uh, n- not only of those two, but I think of the entire defense. I think Arkansas's front goes about eight or nine deep with uh, respectable players that uh, are going to get to the quarterback. You bring in Trajan Jeffcoat from Mizzou, John Morgan from Pitt, um, and Landon Jackson. I mean, apparently he's been a game wrecker all spring. Now, that makes me a little slightly worried about the offensive line, but uh, I'm more excited. But let's stick on the positive here. Landed, uh, maybe will blow up here. So I think if they can get to the quarterback effect, which that is actually something they did quite well last year, but a lot of those guys off to the NFL now. Uh, but, yeah, like you were saying, Dwight McLaughlin, I mean, he emerged as, you know, LSU-Arkansas did a trade, essentially, of a couple defensive backs a while back in Arkansas – if you want to say which player is the best of all those, it's Dwight McLeather, and it's not even close in my mind. So from that aspect, you throw Landon uh, Jackson in there. Arkansas won that trade, but he's a good player. Singletary, you, you mentioned, didn't play much at Georgia, but he was a five-star. He was the number 27 overall prospect in the country just a year ago, and there have been plenty of players that couldn't get on the field immediately out of Georgia or in Alabama and went to another school and shined. Look no further than, uh, you know, Drew Sanders last year was just, I mean, he was first team all SEC in my mind. And, and going back to the offense, it seemed like nobody in the SEC respected Arkansas's passing game on the offense either. You know, they made Arkansas one-dimensional, and they did it as well as they did being a one-dimensional team. How imperative is it for Arkansas? We're talking about, you know, Heisman aspirations for KJ. I mean, how imperative is it for a couple of these receivers to step up? We know he can throw. We know he has some accuracy issues. But So how, how imperative is it to get a couple of these receivers to step up and, and make this team where balanced where the defenses have had to respect both aspects? Yeah, I don't know if I'd go quite as far as to say they didn't respect it, though, because they did have uh, Hazelwood and Landers both were in the top 10 in the SEC in receiving yards. So, I mean, they could threaten you for sure. But, uh, yeah, I think they they certainly needed to get quicker. And I, I that is evident by the moves they've made, some of the transfers they're bringing in. Uh, Satania, not a transfer, but a second-year player, looked great in the spring game. Sound like he's going to be, uh, you know, one of the kind of the big name to emerge from that receiving core. Yeah, they, they're going to need help. Uh, they have got to step up. And, like, you know, this coaching staff, they essentially did this last year, too, where they basically had to totally rework the secondary and, or excuse me, the receiving core. And th- they did a very good job. So now the task is doing that again. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's easy. Just because you've done it once before doesn't mean you can do it again. But they have proven that they can do it. So that's not a huge deal f- to me. And I also like the fact that uh, the transfers they have brought in, even though it was at a lower level, they were highly, highly productive players. And I'm thinking of uh, Isaac Tesla and uh, Andrew Armstrong, I think is his name. I mean, again, they were playing at a lower level, but they were, I mean, dominating that lower level. And you don't need these guys to come in here and dominate the SEC. You just need them to come in here and give you, you know, four or five, 600 yards apiece. And that is certainly something I think they're capable of doing this year for the Razorbacks. Big question is the tight end room. Uh, when Enos was here the first time, uh, they used a lot of the twin tight end sets. Um, they are they are rebuilding that tight end room after last year with uh, Trey Knotts leaving. They bring in Luke Hass from Oklahoma. He's a freshman. You bring in Shamar Easter, who's a freshman from Ashdown, Arkansas. You uh, you also get a transfer in Varkius Gumps. Uh, that was a huge addition. And then you have uh, Francis Sherman from Louisville. Uh, they are rebuilding that room. Uh, what what do you think the outlook is for their uh, for that room there? And and do you think uh, they may be able to succeed in year one, especially with Enos in the tight end room? Yeah, honestly, I, I think this is probably the weakest position group on the entire team, and certainly on the offense. Uh, but that doesn't mean they're bad. But again, we're relying on transfers. We're relying on young players. 
that are unproven at this level. So that is a concern of mine. It's, it's one of my bigger concerns. But also, Dan Enos has kind of adapted to, to more modern college football to where he's not running necessarily just the pro set. I mean, he's, he ran a ton of uh, RPO stuff at Maryland, which I would imagine with KJ that you'd be foolish not to run that given what he can do with his legs. So I don't know that that's going to be some huge indictment of Arkansas's offense if they don't have a standout tight end. But like you said, Gums, I think he was the most productive tight end in North Texas history. I know he committed, decommitted, and he recommitted. I think he's on campus now, so hopefully he doesn't change his mind by uh, by the time the season starts or anything. Well, and, and go back to KJ and just talking about, you know, I, I would say stretch it out nationwide. I, I think he is the – most valuable player when it comes to keeping somebody healthy as your quarterback. I mean, what's the significance of really keep making sure you've seen how he went, he got injured last year, make sure the guy stays healthy. I mean, how big is that for this team this year to make sure that they keep KJ healthy? Well, yeah, obviously, I mean, you, every team wants to keep their, their starting quarterback healthy. Uh, but, you know, I would say that, um, something I've, I've already said i mean i think they have upgraded the quarterback room in case disaster strikes and and he can't play in a game or two with Criswell coming in from north carolina with singleton coming in from the high school ranks now if you're relying on these guys to win your games in the sec yeah you're in real trouble because it, it's a massive drop-off but if you need if you need to spell kj for a couple series or a non-conference game what have you i think these guys are good enough to get it done but, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if K.J. goes down, I don't even want to think about what would happen there. I mean, the, the season would be a disaster. Yeah. And we think about the the issues with K.J. And, and we think about the good things with K.J. How meaningful is the career of K.J. Jefferson in respects of turning around this program and leading this program out of some of the darkest times in program history? What, yeah. what kind of legacy will, will he have? Well, I think that uh, remains to be seen. I mean, we'll have to see what they do this year. But for me, he kind of epitomizes toughness and that grit, never giving up, and the fact that everybody outside of Arkansas fans, of course, but everybody thinks he sucks. Everybody thinks the Razorbacks suck. And, you know, you can think that, but then line up, on the field, Texas thought that, and guess what? Texas found out different, didn't they? So a lot of these teams are finding that out on the field, that these guys can play, and K.J., I think he just kind of epitomizes that. I don't understand why he's been discounted, but uh, he's never been discounted by me, and, hey, let him keep discounting him, and he'll continue to prove him wrong. And, and do you just think that's just the lack of winning? I mean, I tell everybody, winning games kind of cures everything, and Arkansas's kind of had – issues ever since the motorcycle accident you know i mean it, it just seems like arkansas has been in this what we call here a curse of just being in those you'd have a couple of good years and then just the bottom falls out you know and and when arkansas even though they've been in the sec since the 90s they're still one of the late bloomers to the sec and they've not really when it comes to football been one of them powerhouses so it's like you almost got to be in that top echelon of programs to get respected when it comes to the whole scheme of the SEC. Yeah, you're not going to get a lot of sympathy from me, though, because I'm a Tennessee grad, and it's been about two decades of being a god-awful Derek Dooley, uh, Butch Jones. Uh, Lane, Lane Kiffin was there for a year and made all these promises and didn't do much, and then he just bolted in the middle of the night. I forgot Jer Jeremy Pruitt was so – forgettable I, I forgot he was a coach there for a minute that was I had a beautiful five seconds there where I forgot the, the Jeremy Pruitt era so yeah I mean it's been rough for Arkansas but, but uh, hey that's life in the SEC you make a bad decision or two at head coach and it can torpedo your program real quick uh, but yeah that, I mean that's why I think it's, it would be foolish to run Sam Pittman off given uh, we've seen what terrible coaching looks like at Arkansas I have to say, though, I mean, how much do you still think about that fumble back in 98 and, and the, the, the <laughs> national championship that uh, us Razorback fans kind of gifted you? 
Yeah. Well, see, and that's what it takes to win at Tennessee. I mean, some miracle has got to happen. There was about six miracles that year. Uh, They faced Donovan McNabb in Syracuse in in the opener. There was there was a missed kick that was wild there. Spurrier botched the Florida game. Uh, so, I mean, there was like – they got Mississippi State out of the West somehow. I think it was the only time State ever won the West. And Tennessee got them. I mean, they were kind of gift-wrapped the SEC championship too. So, yeah, it yeah. takes about six miracles for the Vols to do something. But, uh, yeah, 98, that, that definitely lives forever. <laughs> And it was a missed field goal that gave Mississippi State by Arkansas because they played them that following week and, and lost that game as well. But, yeah, that, that's one of them things that, that will live forever in, in Arkansas, and, and that's all we have. we have. I mean, we have the 94 <laughs> National Championship, we have the 64, and then we got a whole yeah, bunch a lot of, of close moments. whole bunch of what-ifs. <laughs> <laughs> well, credit well, Mike, to uh, uh, Clint Sterner. I mean, he bounced right back, though, right, 99, and yeah. he put the dagger in Tennessee. He sure did. He sure did. But, man, Mike, we appreciate you coming on tonight. I know we uh, kind of went over a little bit of what uh, uh, what Tom Lou and I told you we were going to go. But, hey, uh, we, we enjoy talking to you, man. Yes, we hope you uh, hope to have you on again sometime. And, and uh, if you uh, want to, if you will, tell us where we can find you on uh, Twitter and, and uh, social media and where your uh, podcast can be found. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. Just, uh, you know, SEC Mike, just search that on Google or Twitter, anything, it'll pop up. And uh, the show is that SEC podcast, highest rated SEC show on Apple and Spotify. And we're on YouTube now, really trying to uh, grow that thing up. We're up over 10,000 followers on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, you can check us out. Every day we put a show out. It's absolutely free. And it's just me and my cousin Shane drinking talking football, having a good old time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we you tell Cousin Shane I said hello, too. <laughs> and tell him, tell him to come by. He can come on anytime he wants to as well. I, I love that guy. I love listening to him, too. Absolutely. Will do. All right, Mike. See you, buddy. Bye-bye. That was Mike, uh, SCC Mike, Mike Bratton, everybody. We're going to hit a break here, and uh, we'll come back, probably talk a little bit about what we uh, talked about with SCC Mike, and we've got a couple of clips we'll discuss, too, as well. Uh, Porter, have you got anything uh, before the break? Nope. We're going to send us a break. We'll catch you here in a minute. All right, brother. At Fordham Lee Distillery, our bourbons look as amazing as they taste. A delicious, high rye bourbon aged over six years. Fordham Lee is a company founded on the principles of great folks and spirits worth remembering. Look for Fordham Lee brands at Walk-Ons, Liquor World, Busters, and soon everywhere in Northwest Arkansas that serves fine spirits. Fordham Lee Bourbon says please drink responsibly. 21 means 21. Fordham Lee Distillery, blended and bottled in Middletown, Maryland. Attention DOIers and home improvement enthusiasts. Are you searching for the right tools and the supplies to tackle your next project? Look no further than Mentors Hardware Store. With locations in Ozark, Alma, and Clarksville, our vast selection of hardware and building materials is sure to have everything you need, whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or building a new deck. Most of our knowledgeable staff is always on hand to offer expert advice and guidance. And with our competitive prices and convenient online ordering, Metro's Hardware Store is your one-stop shop for all your DIY needs. Visit us today and let's build something amazing together. Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in South Central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They're located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121. Searching for premium brewery products that will take your daily routine to the next level? 
Look no further than Sterling Soap Company. Our handmade soaps, aftershaves, and balms are made with only the finest ingredients that give you the ultimate grooming experience. With a variety of scents to choose from, there's something for everyone. Plus, our products are crafted in small batches to ensure the highest level of quality. So why wait? Visit www.sterlingsoap.com or visit our retail store at 16 West Walnut Street in Paris, Arkansas. Shop our collection and discover the difference for yourself. Upgrade your grooming routine with Sterling Soap Company. Are you looking for a place to grab a cold drink and some delicious food? Look no further than Arkansas Brewing Company. Located at 201 South 1st Street in beautiful downtown Ozark, our establishment offers a wide selection of craft beers and tasty eats. But what sets us apart is our welcoming atmosphere and friendly staff. At Arkansas Brewing Company, you'll always feel like part of the family. So visit Destiny and Christopher Brockett and staff today and see for yourself what makes us the go-to spot for locals and visitors alike. Arkansas Brewing Company, come for the drinks and stay for the friends. And we want to welcome you back to the Hog Talk Podcast. And again, thank you, Michael Bratton, SEC Mike, for coming on. Um, very good knowledge out of him and his, you know, again, we bring on these outsiders outsiders from uh, around the SEC during the summertime. And it's really good to get honest what they say, you know, not, not people that's going to come in and sunshine pump. I mean, I want people to come on and, and really tell us, okay, this is how we see Arkansas as a program. All right. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, or hey, we really see them as a promising team. And with KJ and Rocket, your offensive line's doing real, your defensive lines, your strong point, you know, just people who come in and really can kind of look at it from a different perspective and just tell us, you know, how promising this year could be with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Yeah, and and there's there's a couple of folks. I mean, you talk about the round nation that they think that Arkansas can compete. They think Arkansas can maybe be in the running for an SEC, SEC West title. And then there's some folks that think, you know, Arkansas fans should be happy with an 8-4 and four, uh, season. And I'm absolutely fine with an 8-4 season. I think yeah. that is that is the – that's not the ceiling for this team because I think the ceiling for this team can be 10 wins if they, if they come together. Uh, they've got plenty of things to work on. But I think what Mike said during – during that segment is Arkansas's deficiencies have been shored up due to some of the additions that they made out of the transfer portal. They've got, I think they've added uh, what 18 guys uh, during, uh, during the off season. Uh, they just, they just signed a kid out of, uh, I think the state of North Carolina. His name is Dasmond uh, James, a six, one 180 pound wide receiver, a guy that they found late in the process because he really wasn't out there. And nobody knew who he was. He had three offers in Arkansas. Finally, I mean, they they found out about him. They went for him, hosted him on a visit. And at 1 o'clock in the morning, he announced his commitment. Uh, I think he's may, he may be able to help Arkansas uh, do, due to his pure speed. And because Arkansas, you know, they're basically implementing a whole new offense. They need new receivers to uh, show up. He's a guy that with pure speed, you make him put him back there at kick returner. Kid has track speed, 10-1, uh, a 10-100-meter dash, I think a 20-second, 200-yard dash. Like, he's a blazing fast runner. I think a guy that may be able to contribute early on. And and like I said, the caveat of this is Enos has been here before. He knows how to turn around things at Arkansas. He knows how to come in. He's going to know what Arkansas needs. It's not some fresh guy coming in implementing – his style, but yet he has right. nothing, no knowledge of the team or the history of the program. I think that gives him a very good edge when it comes to him knowing what to do and how to slowly progress this offense, especially him coming in when he did. You give KJ and his receivers some film, they can go out and do some drills, they can do some one on ones, you know, really get. I think that's going to be the biggest key is the continuity between K.J. and his receivers, really getting that rhythm down in these practices because, again, we know what they got at running. We know what they got with the quarterback and the offensive line. That biggest thing is, the and, and I would spend a majority of, you know, fine-tuning that passing game, getting those rhythms down because there's nothing like in-game situations when you're trying to find a guy on that 10-yard out or that cut or that slant 
Who's going to pick you up the third down? Who's going to pick up that third and eight, third and seven? Who are you going to be able to count on, on on those drives where you desperately need somebody to catch the ball? Yeah, and and we've seen like like highlight reels during uh, during the spring of the one handed catches by Isaac Tesla or the really good route running from Andrew Armstrong, the blazing speed from Isaiah Satania. You think about Tyrone Broden, the, the transfer from Bowling Green. Like this this uh, wide receiver group is being pieced together by really good standout players at a lower to lower level. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Mike said. Like you didn't just go out and pick up some rando guys that are walking down the street that play for these FCS and Division Three programs. You're going out there and getting guys that were standout players that dominated their competition. And that, and I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, Hillsdale College, Isaac Tesla, D3." You you gotta stop a little bit and, and think about the kind of addition that Arkansas is bringing in. They're bringing in a guy that's six four, two hundred ten pounds that can fly. He's also a guy that will go out there and, and possess the ball. A lot of the times last year, there was been drop passes over and over and over again, and and that's one thing that Dan Enos, when you when you look back at the time Dan Enos was here before last, there wasn't many times that Arkansas receivers dropped balls. Like if you're going to play for Dan Enos, you're going to be out there, you're going to be dependable, and I think that's one thing that Isaac Tesla is going to do is be able to exploit defenses maybe in the slot uh, or maybe even lined out wide, be able to use his body to make receptions and be able to be a solid target for KJ. And I'm thinking that, you know, a lot of people are overlooking him just because of the name and, and where he came from. But I'm telling you people, if this guy can put up eight, 900 yards and be a dependable third down target, he's going to take you places. He's going to progress this offense because you thought about it, you know, last year, Arkansas, they, they continued to get better at third downs, but they stunk on fourth downs. Like that, this is going to be the difference for Arkansas moving forward is being able to move the ball in short, short uh, ground and distance situations. Well, and and, I think guys like Tesla is going to do it. You got to also remember, I mean, all it takes is one time for a guy to sleep on you and you're behind him and you score a touchdown. I mean, you're exactly you're right. Not, we're talking about the fans' perspective. What about the, what are the players thinking? Oh, this guy's, you know, D3 guy. What's he going to do to me? I'm, I'm five star, I'm an All American. I'm going to mm-hmm. lock him down, then all of a sudden he burns you for a touchdown. You know, we talk about the chip on the shoulder with Enos and and Pittman getting back together. What about these guys that come in, they're transfer guys? Not only do they got to win over their own locker room, you know, they got to come in being transfer players, deserving the right to play on their own team. And you do that through a whole spring, summer, it's going to be cake because you've had to prove to your brothers and your teammates that you are – a high-quality guy. You're going to be a guy that, you know, KJ can count on to throw to you, and you're going to catch that ball. Then you take it into yeah. the gameplay. You know, you go on there, and you have guys sleep on. They're going to start respecting you. So, what what does that do? That opens somebody else up because they're going to start doubling you. They're going to start cinching up on you. And then, again, opens up the run game. Now you got a whole – Whole deal of, you know, get these tight ends. That's why I've preached tight ends. Get these. I wanted Trey Knox to have such a great year last year because I knew if he opened up had a big year, that's going to open up a part of the offense that people are going to have to start respecting and concentrating on, and then KJ and Rocket can do their thing. Yeah, you look at Barkeus Gums. I know a lot of people, uh, you know, you look at him, oh, he's coming from North Texas. Mike, even Mike said it. You look at this guy, he is the most productive tight end in North Texas history. Dude only started six games as a redshirt freshman this past season. 6'3", 235, I bet he's going to come in. He's going to put on some weight. But he's a good pass catcher, a guy that uh, uh, I think he I think he, uh, think he, caught 700 yards and I think six touchdowns and limited starting. Uh, I mean, and most of that damage was done in the last six games. Like, he's a guy that I think you're going to be able to be pleased with. Francis Sherman – think he was brought in for more depth and maybe some of the uh, 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 down and distance situations where you do need to have two bigger tight ends. Uh, and, and you're not even looking at like Ty or uh, uh, Luke has who's, who's coming in. He's a guy that, you know, he, he's not going to be just used as a tight end. He's a guy that you can maybe split out wide. Six three two forty five already has the body of a good size tight end. Uh, this is going to be something different, a, not, a different offensive look than I think of what a lot of people are expecting. 
Uh, a lot of people think, oh, when Dan Enos was here the first time, we just did a lot of pro-style stuff and never did any hurry-up, uh, read-option stuff. This is different. And, and the thing is, Dan Enos is, is going to, to mold his offense around the people that he has. And I think that this offense is going to be uh, uh, very tinkered with. It's going to be very different than what Browse did. I think, I think there's going to be less cute stuff, more of a, exactly. a progressive approach. Yeah. I think uh, I don't think you're going to see any more of those tight end sneaks. I don't think you're going to see as many uh, uh, screen passes. I think he's going to utilize the whole field. No more Supermans from the eight yard line. Like, yeah, <laughs> like he's not like Dan Enos is going to attack the whole field. And I was watching some of the uh, highlights from 2015, 2016, and even 2017, the year they went four and eight, and you could see like the concepts that Dan Enos ran. He, he had what he wanted to run, but Brett Bielema handcuffed him to what he what he wanted Danny Nose to run. So I think you're getting a guy in that's a, that is a experienced play caller, an experienced offensive coordinator, and a guy that I think, yeah, Sam Pittman's going to have his influence as to what Danny knows he wants him to run, but I think he's going to have more freedom and ability to, uh, to establish an offense that he wants. And I think Arkansas is going to have more success. So, yes, I think Danny Dinos improves the offense in certain situations. I do. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I do, too. I mean, even if the record doesn't show it. I mean, I think he's going to improve the offense because, one, the, the trust is there between Pittman and Enos. And he's, you know, we talk about, you know, Browse flirting with other teams and, and what is he, you know, it's a lot of that was how much did Pittman really trust the guy? How, I mean, to run his offense. We're, we're not bringing nothing personal into it. But, I mean, how much did he really trust him when it comes to running this offense full strength, open up the playbook? And I know Browse can go to TCU and say, well, I'm finally getting to open up my playbook and I'm finally getting to be the, be the offensive coordinator that I want to be. Well, so be it. Best of wishes to you. Best of luck to you down there. But Sam Pittman – one of those guys, two guys to come in and get where we're at right now. I think jumping ahead of themselves and having that nine-win season kind of threw a wrench in things, not in necessarily in a bad way, but it's like you wanted a slow progression of this team to get the foundation. Then you went nine wins and now you drop back down. It kind of just you know it messed up the rhythm a little bit of when you're building this program. Not saying everybody wouldn't take that nine-win season again in an outback win, because we all would. But now it brings in Enos and, and what he's going to be able to do for the offense. And it's, again, the trust. And it, it, it all works downhill. How much does Pittman trust Enos? And how much does Enos trust KJ to run this offense? Yeah. And, I think, and I'm going to play a I'm going to play a piece real quick that okay. uh, was on SEC Mike's uh, podcast from a couple of weeks ago with Rusty Mandel, uh, who writes for Georgia, has a really good uh, relationship with Sam Pittman. And he says that, you know, from who he's talked to, there's some optimism there. Let's play that clip real quick, and I'm going to – we're going to sit back and listen. Let me get that pulled up. But yeah, like he he's really – he's very optimistic as to what Arkansas is going to do. Thinks that, uh, thinks that there is optimism and respected optimism. And let's listen to what he has to say. By Kirby Smart. But uh, thankfully for Georgia fans, they have sustained it. Yep. But he has built Arkansas quickly. Sneaky good. Sneaky good. I'm telling you, they had a great offseason. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make national news, but getting K.J. Jefferson back, how dangerous he is when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a huge deal for them, getting him back. So, I know they didn't have a great year last year. I think they've had some great portal additions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just talking to some people in that program, there there's some quiet confidence that hey, just let everybody talk about everybody else right here. We're, we're just going we're a little Arkansas over here. Yeah, you better. I'm telling you now, they they there's some people out there that think they've got a sneaky good roster. Right, and and for the first time ever, well. There's no manageable SEC schedule, but they oh usually God. give them the murderer's Mur- row. Oh, my God. And this year, it's it's not quite as bad yeah. either. Yeah, I mean, we don't have, like, Texas, Georgia, all these schools. <laughs> you know, like, what? who was – I know Pittman probably looked at it and go, what do we do? Who scheduled this? Yeah, and that's the thing. It, 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 that is what I love about this program is they could be that sleeping giant. They could be that one – Look, look at South Carolina. 
Look, look at what they did last year. You know, they weren't very successful in the, in, in the East. You got Beamer come in, and they started making noise, and they turned, you know, turned things around and finally beat their rival and, and finally, you know, got back on the winning ways. And Arkansas could be there. Now, I, I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to – my ceiling, honestly, for Arkansas's ceiling. I mean, the absolute best possible case scenario for this team. And I'm not going to count the bowl – well – it's nine wins. I mean, that's the ceiling I have for this season. Just because if you look at you've got to go to Ole Miss at Alabama, Mississippi State at Florida, which that game, it's almost like the Missouri game. Until you just consistently win it, I got to have it as a loss. Because, I mean, that at Florida, that, that you talking about curse, I mean, it's hard to win that game. <laughs> you know, and – just with everything else going on, you look Western Carolina, Kent State, BYU, all three manageable games. I think Arkansas is going to play LSU closer than people think. I just I, I know Mike said LSU is going to be, you know, his pick for the national championship. There's something about that game that intrigues me, it being that first game of the SEC season. Yes, I know it's at LSU, and they'll probably give us a 6 o'clock kickoff. They, they probably will. There's just something about that game that's telling me that Arkansas is going to – they might not win the game, but something's telling me that they're going to go into that game and it's going to boost their confidence and it's going to get them over that Texas A&M hump of beating them. They're going to win that game, and that could play out. Now, Alabama at Florida and then, uh, you know, the Missouri – Again, yet to be seen. Again, Missouri just seems to be that team that you know you're better than. You just can't seem to beat them. It it being in Fayetteville this year, they finally get over that hump. But I I just see nine wins being the absolute ceiling for me that I would give them this year. So say Arkansas does beat LSU uh, this year. Do you think that raises your ceiling for total wins this year? No, because, again – Arkansas always – I mean, look at the Auburn game. You know, it, it's just – you got at Florida. So, let, let's just run through it. At Ole Miss, that, that's a, a 50-50 game right there. Alabama, I see it as a loss. I see Mississippi State as a win. You're, I see Florida loss. I see Auburn as a loss. Really? Yeah. That's – it's just – until, you know, it's just the way things play out. I I see Arkansas losing that LSU game by a touchdown, but it's not going to – you know, you got to remember, that Texas A&M game, how the game ended, it ain't like Arkansas laid it, laid it all out on the field and just wasn't the better team. That field goal that doinked, you know, and it just seemed to put Arkansas in this hole – and they, yeah. they went on a roller coaster. They'd win, and you think everything, and then they just drop. And then, of course, that Liberty came, game came. We don't know what type of quarterback or what what's going to go on in Alabama. We don't know. We know if you contain Milrow, or I think that's his last name, you know, he, he just tore Arkansas apart on that zone read. Yeah. I mean, and you if, gotta, I, I mean, there's no certain that, uh, that, that uh, Milrow is going to be the quarterback for Alabama this year. They brought in that Notre Dame kid, Tyler Buschner, and a lot of people think that he's going to be the starting quarterback. He didn't set the world on fire during Alabama. I mean, uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. And and that was with the same offensive coordinator. But, you know, these coordinators, you know, he's jumping in from uh, Notre Dame who has restrictions for uh, the type of players that they can bring in, caliber players. So Tommy Reese could set the world on fire as an offensive coordinator just because of the the offensive uh, weapons that he has at his uh, in in, in uh, on his belt, you know. So – there, there's optimism there. I think Alabama's not going to be as nearly as bad as what a lot of people are saying, uh, you know, with the quarterback issues. But I'm, I'm thinking here, you know, I'm, and I may be wearing my hog-colored glasses here. I may be, I mean, I may be just being the purest homer that uh, you could be. But I'm thinking if you beat LSU, and I know it's going to be hard, uh, but, you know, there's, there's always something about that Arkansas-LSU game. It doesn't matter when it's played or where it's played, it's always seems to be a really good game going back to 2005. Like, that, that's just how these games have been. 
you you come away with a win in Baton Rouge, and then you go on the road, and and that's a place where KJ Jefferson just dearly wants to get a win at. He's a Mississippi native, like ten minutes up the road, Sardis, Mississippi. Like I think that he's going to have that monkey on his back that he wants to go out there and win that for his team and for himself. I think there's a lot of I, I think that could be something that's a good selfish to have something something being selfish with is going out there and getting that big win. I think that'll be a signature win for him going forward. And then you think about the Alabama game, I think that's a wash just because you haven't beaten you haven't beaten them since I was in ninth grade. And then you think about the Mississippi State game, and then you have the Florida game. I think Florida is going to be god awful. I don't think they're going to be very good. They're not very pleased with the Billy Napier experience. And then you finally play the last three games at home. You got Florida International and Auburn and Missouri. And I think that that sets up Arkansas for a good stretch. I think they win those. I think they go three and zero. I think you go two and two in those that row stretch and go three. Uh, three and zero to start the season. I think that's a nine-win season, and you get ten if you go to a bowl game. I think Arkansas fans will be pleased with that outcome, and, and I really am optimistic. I think this team, just from a mentality standpoint, this team wants to be great. KJ wants to be great. You look back at that game against Kansas last year in the Liberty Bowl. He would not let Arkansas lose. Now, I know that's against Kansas. But he wouldn't let he would not let his team lose. He was going he wasn't going down without a fight. So I think this is a year that KJ, this is this is gonna be the year that determines, you know, how great of a quarterback he is and, and where he's going to be going into the twenty twenty four NFL draft. Well, the the biggest key to that is you, you have to split that LSU Texas AM. You you have to split that. You cannot Go zero and two, and then go to Ole Miss, go to Alabama. Because if you think you yeah. go into that SEC zero and two, you could very easily be looking at zero and four in the SEC, and then you've got to win Mississippi State at Florida, Auburn, and Missouri. And even if you do that, I mean, you're still three and four, four and four in conference, four and yeah. four in conference. I mean, that would that. Which that's respectable. That's respectable. I mean, we could do we I we could handle that because that again, because think about it this way, and this is how Razorback fans are. You could win, say say you beat you split LSU, beat Texas A&M, beat Ole Miss, lose to Alabama, split the Mississippi State, Florida, beat Auburn, Florida National, and lose to Missouri. There, it's how you finish, and if you finish with a couple of losses, say you can win six or seven games, and then you lose to Auburn and Missouri, you lose your last two SEC games, well, Arkansas choked. Arkansas folded in the end. The depth, you know, it would be that same old song and dance. But we're not looking at, hey, they got better. But I'm with you. I mean, I look at the season, and I'm saying nine wins is the ceiling as a regular season. Now, if, of course, they win the bowl game, that's ten. So, I mean, you know, I, I am – I'm not – when I look at a season – there's just so much now with opt-outs and bowl games that, yes, it's nice if you win the game, but I don't really count them anymore unless you're in the college football playoff because there's so much uncertainties and half your team's there. And I know it goes on the record book and stuff, but, you know, to me, I'm looking at the regular season. What did you do in the regular season? We, we've gotten – look where bowl wins have gotten Arkansas when you're talking about hanging your hat on the bowl wins. I mean – Past two or three hasn't gotten you, you much when it comes to looking at next season. Look at, you know, Bielema got an extension beating a six and five or six and six Texas team. Then you look at the Outback Bowl. You turn around and win that one, and then again look what happened this year. You know, so when it comes to this season, man, that I, I just keep on looking at that LSU Texas A&M game, and, and you have to split that. That is very imperative. It would be amazing if you if you went two and zero in that stretch. The the you talk about the all time high, and then you go to Ole Miss. I think that you're good. You got coaches that are going to build off that confidence. You're not going to get ahead of yourself because they're still going to be humble. I think yeah. that's the most important thing about this coaching staff is. I think if you win those two games and going into the Ole Miss, you're going to win that one because just because 
this team's going to be humble, and they're going to ride that wave, but they're going to continue the success. Yeah, that's six and zero. Like, yeah, that's six and zero. And it, I mean, Arkansas goes into the Alabama game, and you have if you have a team of confidence, this team has something to prove. Sam Pittman has something to prove. I don't think he's gotten lazy off of that five million dollar contract. I think he wants to make this state damn proud. I did, yeah. That's he just I mean, ain't that, had the depth to do it. I mean, that's what's done. I don't. Yeah. You, I you, don't think that was. I don't think that's just a a cliche statement. I think that is true. Humbleness out of Sam Pittman's mouth that's saying, "I want to make this state proud." I came and took this job when nobody else would because I wanted to make this state proud. I know what this uh, what this team and program is capable of. He's seen it. But it's crazy. You look at Hunter Yurchek, and he's not from Arkansas. He's come no. in, and I think he wants to win just as much as anybody. I think there's, yeah, as much as we talk about this curse and what's been done to Arkansas, it's infectious because it seems like every coach outside of a few, <laughs> you know, we'll say a few, but outside those few coaches, everybody who's come in's really bought in and really been captivated by the atmosphere in Fayetteville. And they've really wanted to succeed, and they've been welcomed with open arms. And it's like they want to win for the university. They want to win for the fans because they know how long it's been. And it, I was talking to somebody uh, – I was talking to one of my cousins out in South Carolina, and they were talking about – they're actually a South Carolina fan, so a halfway claim them. But um, they were talking about, you know, the Arkansas fan base and how insufferable they could be and all that. I said <clears> – <throat> Just imagine if this fan base won a couple of national championships. Just imagine what this fan base would be if Arkansas won a fo- national championship in football, basketball, or baseball. You think they're insufferable now. I mean, they would be on an all-time high, and you would never hear the end of it because we've talked about the 94 championship forever. And that would be, the I think, the most exciting thing that any of us could ever wish for is to see Arkansas win a national championship, whether it be in – football, basketball, or baseball. But I, right. I feel one's coming in one of the big three sports. It's just, which one is it going to be? Yeah, I think basketball right now, the way he's roster building. And, I mean, here we are sitting on uh, commit watch with uh, Grant Nelson. I've been looking at my phone, like refreshing <laughs> the feed for, for what seemed like uh, all day. But, hey, like Arkansas, even if they miss out on Grant Nelson, folks, Arkansas's got a roster that is chock full of talented guys really full of talented guards, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do. I think Arkansas basketball might be able to team be the team that does it first just because I, I think they're I, – I think – not because Dave Van Horn hasn't done it and done it well, but I feel like there's something brewing there in the basketball program that that has them closer than any of the th- uh, top three programs. Yeah, and, and but again, it takes winning, and that's what it's going to yep. take. You've got to win. Um I mean, just looking at the schedule, and again, the closer we get to, you know, season, you know, we're going to deep dive into these teams. But, I mean, you just think you go in, and I think we've – how many times have we (laughs) said, if Arkansas goes into the Alabama game undefeated, it's going to be insane, it's going to be nuts. And they really think this is a manageable schedule. But even if you went into that game five and one – Four and two, depending on, say, like, if you split the LSU-Texas A&M game and lose the Ole Miss game, or you win the, lose the, say you lose LSU, lose A&M, and then win Ole Miss. I mean, you're still set up. I mean, you're still set up for going into the Alabama game sitting at four and three. So, I mean. Shoot, they were, they won seven games. They were seven and three going into Alabama a couple of years ago and were one score away from winning that ball game. It's crazy. That is how close they were. They pulled – Sam Pittman pulled out all the stops in that game, and they were dang close to upsetting Alabama. So, I mean, it's not like this team isn't just – they're just right there. And they were a couple of injuries. I know we're running over, but I know there was a couple of injuries last year that really sidelined Arkansas and what they were able to do. I, I still think that they didn't reach their full potential last year just because of injuries and, and death issues. This team, I think this team is truly – I don't think they're – I know, like, they're more talented than any team that Arkansas's had since 
since probably the Bobby Petrino days, like because the Brett Bielema teams were top heavy, but I'm really optimistic because of what Sam Pittman's been able to do in the transfer portal. He's developing those guys. He's developing these these classes that he's brought in. Like he is very close to hitting the red button and just causing all chaos in the SEC. I think he's all this team needs is one win. I think that one win will catapult them into just disturbing the college football playoff race into a mess. I think health and, you know, health. You keep – if this team stays healthy, and I'm not talking about your normal bangups. I'm talking about you don't have any of your key players having season-ending injuries or where they're out three to four weeks where it can really screw up a, a, a three-game stretch. This team can be very special and, and do that nine to ten – you know, yeah, ceiling, but the, that's the biggest key. You're still not there on depth. Of course, you got all this talent, even on the front line. You have where you got eight where you can rotate, but the back end of the linebackers is very concerning, and you have to be able to stay healthy if this is going to happen. You're exactly right. Uh, I don't really have anything to add to that, but I do know this like, this is going to be a long summer, yeah. and we're going to talk a lot <laughs> about what could be some of the most disaster moments we can think of. Like, I know we've got a lot of lists of good folks that are going to come on this summer and talk. So, y'all, I, I really appreciate y'all uh, tuning in each week. Uh, just keep on looking forward to more great star power guests throughout the summer. Uh, y'all are going to be pleased with the product that uh, me and Porter provide y'all each week. Uh, yeah, as always, go find us on Apple iTunes, uh, and Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere, anywhere a podcast it can be found, you can find us there. Just give us a like, a rate, and review, and maybe even follow us and like us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Definitely, yeah, definitely go get us on YouTube, Instagram. You know, we see we we do promote a lot of our sponsors. We're very thankful for all of our sponsors that that sponsor us on the Hog Talk podcast. We do weekly. So if you are you're one of those that follow us on our Facebook page and you see our sponsor page hey like look at their products buy their products search them because we do that because we genuinely love to shout out our, our our sponsors that we have so we don't just do that just because it's an obligation we really want to get the word out there and help promote the businesses that help promote us so because if it wasn't for them we wouldn't be able to do this but jake if you ain't got nothing else i'll wrap it up uh, we're gonna have Jake Crane on next week. Uh, he reached out, wants to be a part of the show. We always love having him on. So next Sunday or next Monday, excuse me, next we, Monday, yeah, because of Father's Day, we're gonna we're gonna take a Sunday off and enjoy Father's Days with our kids. And then on Monday at eight o'clock, we'll have Jake Crane from the Jake Crane Show Daily Wire on with us. So be sure to tune in. But it's going to be an interesting week to see where Nelson ends up. We'll keep you up to date mm-hmm. on that. And, of course, always every other thing going on with Razorback Sports. Uh, but we'll catch you next week at 8 o'clock. Go Hugs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.